Chapter thirty six of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mr. Hunt overtakes the advance party, Pierre Dorion and his skeleton horse, a Shoshone camp, a justifiable outrage, feasting on horse flesh. Mr. Crooks brought to the camp undertakes to relieve his men, the skin ferry boat frenzy of prevost his melancholy fate enfeebled state of john day mr crooks again left behind the party emerged from among the mountains interview with shoshones a guide procured to conduct the party across a mountain ferriage across snake river reunion with mr crooks men final departure from the river all that day mr hunt and his three comrades travelled without eating at night they made a tantalizing supper on their beaver skin and were nearly exhausted by hunger and cold the next day december tenth they overtook the advance party who were all as much famished as themselves some of them not having eaten since the morning of the seventh mr hunt now proposed the sacrifice of pierre dorion's skeleton horse here he again met with positive and vehement opposition from the half-breed who was too sullen and vindictive a fellow to be easily dealt with what was singular the men though suffering such pinching hunger interfered in favour of the horse they represented that it was better to keep on as long as possible without resorting to this last resource possibly the indians of whom they were in quest might have shifted their encampment in which case it would be time enough to kill the horse to escape starvation mr hunt therefore was prevailed upon to grant pierre dorion's horse a reprieve fortunately they had not proceeded much further when towards evening they came in sight of a lodge of shoshones with a number of horses grazing around it the sight was as unexpected as it was joyous having seen no indians in this neighborhood as they passed down the river they must have subsequently come out from among the mountains mr hunt who first described them checked the eagerness of his companions knowing the unwillingness of these indians to part with their horses and their aptness to hurry them off and conceal them in case of an alarm this was no time to risk such a disappointment approaching therefore stealthily and silently they came upon the savages by surprise who fled in terror five of their horses were eagerly seized and one was dispatched upon the spot the carcass was immediately cut up and a part of it hastily cooked and ravenously devoured a man was now sent on horseback with a supply of the flesh to mr crooks and his companions he reached them in the night they were so famished that the supply sent them seemed but to aggravate their hunger and they were almost tempted to kill and eat the horse that had brought the messenger availing themselves of the assistance of the animal they reached the camp early in the morning on arriving there mr crooks was shocked to find that while the people on this side of the river were amply supplied with provisions none had been sent to his own forlorn and famishing men on the opposite bank he immediately caused a skin canoe to be constructed and called out to his men to fill their camp kettles with water and hang them over the fire that no time might be lost in cooking the meat the moment it should be received the river was so narrow 
though deep that everything could be distinctly heard and seen across it the kettles were placed on the fire and the water was boiling by the time the canoe was completed when all was ready however no one would undertake to ferry the meat across a vague and almost superstitious terror had infected the minds of mr hunt's followers enfeebled and rendered imaginative of horrors by the dismal scenes and sufferings through which they had passed they regarded the haggard crew hovering like spectres of famine on the opposite bank with indefinite feelings of awe and apprehension as if something desperate and dangerous was to be feared from them mr crooks tried in vain to reason or shame them out of this singular state of mind he then attempted to navigate the canoe himself but found his strength incompetent to brave the impetuous current the good feelings of ben jones the kentuckian at length overcame his fears and he ventured over the supply he brought was received with trembling avidity a poor canadian however named jean baptiste prevost whom famine had rendered wild and desperate ran frantically about the bank after jones had returned crying out to mr hunt to send the canoe for him and take him from that horrible region of famine declaring that otherwise he would never march another step but would lie down there and die the canoe was shortly sent over again under the management of joseph delaunay with further supplies prevost immediately pressed forward to embark delaunay refused to admit him telling him that there was now a sufficient supply of meat on his side of the river he replied that it was not cooked and he should starve before it was ready he implored therefore to be taken where he could get something to appease his hunger immediately finding the canoe putting off without him he forced himself aboard as he drew near the opposite shore and beheld meat roasting before the fire he jumped up shouted clapped his hands and danced in a delirium of joy until he upset the canoe the poor wretch was swept away by the current and drowned and it was with extreme difficulty that delaunay reached the shore mr hunt now sent all his men forward excepting two or three in the evening he caused another horse to be killed and a canoe to be made out of the skin in which he sent over a further supply of meat to the opposite party the canoe brought back john day the kentucky hunter who came to join his former employer and commander mr crooks poor day once so active and vigorous was now reduced to a condition even more feeble and emaciated than his companions mr crooks had such a value for the man on account of his past services and faithful character that he determined not to quit him he exhorted mr hunt however to proceed forward and join the party as his presence was all important to the conduct of the expedition one of the canadians jean baptiste Dubruy, likewise remained with mr crooks mr hunt left two horses with them and a part of the carcass of the last that had been killed this he hoped would be sufficient to sustain them until they should reach the indian encampment one of the chief dangers attending the enfeebled condition of mr crooks and his companions was their being overtaken by the indians whose horses had been seized though mr hunt hoped that he had guarded against any resentment on the part of the savages by leaving various articles in their lodge 
more than sufficient to compensate for the outrage he had been compelled to commit resuming his onward course mr hunt came up with his people in the evening the next day december thirteenth he beheld several indians with three horses on the opposite side of the river and after a time came to the two lodges which he had seen on going down here he endeavoured in vain to barter a rifle for a horse but again succeeded in effecting the purchase with an old tin kettle aided by a few beads the two succeeding days were cold and stormy the snow was augmenting and there was a good deal of ice running in the river their road however was becoming easier they were getting out of the hills and finally emerged into the open country after twenty days of fatigue famine and hardship of every kind in the ineffectual attempt to find a passage down the river they now encamped on a little willowed stream running from the east which they had crossed on the twenty sixth of november here they found a dozen lodges of shoshones recently arrived who informed them that had they persevered along the river they would have found their difficulties augment until they became absolutely insurmountable this intelligence added to the anxiety of mr hunt for the fate of mr mackenzie and his people who had kept on mr hunt now followed up the little river and encamped at some lodges of shoshones from whom he procured a couple of horses a dog a few dried fish and some roots and dried cherries two or three days were exhausted in obtaining information about the route and what time it would take to get to the skyatogas a hospitable tribe on the west of the mountains represented as having many horses the replies were various but concurred in saying that the distance was great and would occupy from seventeen to twenty-one nights mr hunt then tried to procure a guide but though he sent to various lodges up and down the river offering articles of great value in indian estimation no one would venture the snow they said was waist-deep in the mountains and to all his offers they shook their heads gave a shiver and replied we shall freeze we shall freeze at the same time they urged him to remain and pass the winter among them mr hunt was in a dismal dilemma to attempt the mountains without a guide would be certain death to him and all his people to remain there after having already been so long on the journey and at such great expense was worse to him he said than two deaths he now changed his tone with the indians charged them with deceiving him in respect to the mountains and talking with a forked tongue or in other words with lying he upbraided them with their want of courage and told them they were women to shrink from the perils of such a journey at length one of them piqued by his taunts or tempted by his offers agreed to be his guide for which he was to receive a gun a pistol three knives two horses and a little of every article in possession of the party a reward sufficient to make him one of the wealthiest of his vagabond nation once more then on the twenty first of december they set out upon their wayfaring with newly excited spirits two other indians accompanied their guide who led them immediately back to snake river which they followed down for a short distance in search of some indian rafts made of reeds on which they might cross finding none mr hunt caused a horse to be killed and a canoe to be made out of its skin 
here on the opposite bank they saw the thirteen men of mr crook's party who had continued up along the river they told mr hunt across the stream that they had not seen mr crook's and the two men who had remained with him since the day that he had separated from them the canoe proving too small another horse was killed and the skin of it joined to that of the first night came on before the little bark had made more than two voyages being badly made it was taken apart and put together again by the light of the fire the night was cold the men were weary and disheartened with such varied and incessant toil and hardship they crouched dull and drooping around their fires many of them began to express a wish to remain where they were for the winter the very necessity of crossing the river dismayed some of them in their present enfeebled and dejected state it was rapid and turbulent and filled with floating ice and they remembered that two of their comrades had already perished in its waters others looked forward with misgivings to the long and dismal journey through lonesome regions that awaited them when they should have passed this dreary flood at an early hour of the morning december twenty third they began to cross the river much ice had formed during the night and they were obliged to break it for some distance on each shore at length they all got over in safety to the west side and their spirits rose on having achieved this perilous passage here they were rejoined by the people of mr crook's who had with them a horse and a dog which they had recently procured the poor fellows were in the most squalid and emaciated state three of them were so completely prostrated in strength and spirits that they expressed a wish to remain among the snakes mr hunt therefore gave them the canoe that they might cross the river and a few articles with which to procure necessities until they should meet with mr crooks there was another man named michael carrier who was almost equally reduced but he determined to proceed with his comrades who were now incorporated with the party of mr hunt after the day's exertions they encamped together on the banks of the river this was the last night they were to spend upon its borders more than eight hundred miles of hard travelling and many weary days had it cost them and the sufferings connected with it rendered it hateful in their remembrance so that the canadian voyageurs always spoke of it as la maudite riviere enragée the accursed mad river thus coupling a malediction with its name. End of chapter 36